Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kenno Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 449 being recorded on the 7th of December, 2022 with special guest Reza Rahman. I'm Sajid, and on Teams with Me, we have, of course, our special guest, Reza, who is going to, who we're going to get to in just a minute, uh, and also our uh, my colleagues, uh, Kale and Evan, who are joining me on the podcast today. And uh, before we uh, turn the mic over to Reza, let's cover some news in the Azure space. I believe, uh, Kale and Evan, you had some tidbits in there, and I had one as well. So, go ahead, Kale. Kale, uh, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, sure. I got three of them here today. Uh, first one's about um, the speech-to-text accuracy with uh, Azure Custom Speech. Um, so we've had folks from the Cognitive Services on here a few times talking about the different services. This one's specific to the, the speech-to-text. There's also been a lot of news about this uh, GPT chat thing that's going on on the internet. Just a little. Um, Just yeah, little. a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's a good write-up here about you know the service itself and some of the milestones that they've reached. Um, with you know reaching human parity in 2016 and and some of the other things that have come along with the word error rates and things like that. So um, if you're interested, it also has uh, some customers who are using this, including uh, uh, Peloton, uh, who people know from the exercise bikes and, and and other equipment that they have. So pretty cool thing. It also talks a bit about the uh, responsible AI bit uh, around that. The second one I had is around, um, and I don't know much about this partner. It might be cool to, you know, kind of delve into this little future in the future here is, I, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, so I apologize if I mispronounce it, but Isovalent, um, who's basically bringing some some new things to the cloud with this new black backplanes that they have for their service, and essentially these are very Kubernetes based. Um, so the AKS has a preview feature out. Uh, to UCNI with their open source backplane um, with these folks, as well as uh, the container marketplace has some images up there or, or some offerings up there that rather that you can use with it. Um, again, don't know too much about these guys. I don't know if anybody else has been using this, but it's a, it seems like it's very early, uh, like a preview feature, um, but tight integration into our backplane in, in Azure. And then the last one is um, on cost management. I talk about these from time to time because it's uh, something everybody has to kind of deal with, uh, especially at a large enterprise. And uh, new features up there. Um, this is the one for for November, but basically some some new preview features, uh, tag inheritance, things like this. So basically, how you can group your your resources and how they show up on your bills and and some of the dashboards that you have there to help you better rationalize your costs uh, in the cloud. Um, and there's a bunch of some new things around virtual machine sizing and, and some cost analysis pieces that they've been upgrading. So those guys continue to keep cranking out uh, updates on that. It's super awesome. And uh, take a look. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, the two that I wanted to call out today, um, uh, and, and this one, it, it, it's, it sounds trivial, but I, I know there's a ton of complexity here. But we've announced a public preview for the um, Azure SQL trigger for Azure Functions, right? So if your data changes, 
um, it'll trigger a function, which there's got to be some sort of polling mechanism and and whatnot in there. Um, but it, you know, I, again, lots of people want to be able to trigger actions based on when something happens in, happens in their data. So I think this is a great step in that direction. Um, the other one, and, and it, it occurred to me when I was putting this in in our show notes, um, I don't think we've ever had the Azure Communication Services team on. I think we'll probably need to rectify that at some point. But they've added some capabilities around um, automating calls when they come in. So sort of some um, uh, IVR type capabilities, you know, where somebody can say, you know, pick up you know, option number two when it triggers this and, you know, hey, it can go off and trigger and an email or a, you know, a chat off of that response, right? So just some capabilities to automate the flows that are coming through that, that communication service. That's good. Yeah. And uh, I just one and kind of uh, related to what uh, Kale was talking about in terms of bringing the cost down. How about a cost of zero? Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's not so like, like a car salesman there. Cause you like, you know, how are you know, <laughs> Well, it turns out like, you know, we have Azure has a number of services that are free, right? And there are some of them are free for the first 12 months. So uh, you know, like the virtual machines and all that, I think you get the first 12 months free storage, uh, managed disks. Uh, but then there are some that are free forever, which is really interesting, right? And I was surprised at the, at the ones that are free forever. App service, if you have like it's a small website, you can have 10 of them for free. Azure Cosmos DB is now for free for the first uh 25 GB and 1,000 uh, RUs, Azure Functions, Event Grid, even AKS is free. They have a small version of AKS it's, you can it's, stand up. It's a function of like what, your your compute usage or your request rate, right? There's there's some scale factor that yeah, goes into that, right? It's, it's it's normally the number of requests that you put in there in the entire month or, um, you know, the number of number of requests you send in every second. Uh, it's throttled a little bit. But, you know, if you just want to kick the tires, uh, Azure, even yeah. Azure Dev Test Labs is free, Azure Logic Apps, Bot Service. I mean, you could stand up pretty much anything you want, uh, uh, you know, just to play around with these free services. And, and they've they have, they have enhanced it uh, recently. So I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes so uh, our listeners will uh, remind themselves that they can use Azure for free. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, having said that, let's get uh, our special guest, uh, Reza, uh, back on the mic here. Reza, thanks so much for coming uh, uh, on the show today. Uh, please give our listeners uh, an introduction about your background, what you do at Azure, what your passion is, and we'll take it from there. Sure. Okay. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, all, all of your time here, and hopefully uh, today I can reach a little bit of a, a new audience that I typically don't reach. Uh, you know, just an accomplishment on its own. So yeah, uh, my name is Reza. Uh, you know, in my day job, basically here at Microsoft, I'm principal program manager for Java on Azure. Uh, you know, in theory, what that means is, uh, you know, I'm responsible for all of our Java customers on Azure. Um, and as we all know, there's, you know, many different bits and pieces of Java, you know, that occur at Microsoft. And essentially, um, you know, at least in theory, my job is to ensure all of that work is uh, essentially customer oriented and have the correct product truth, product quality and so on. Uh, so aside, aside from that broad-based charter, um, I also have a specific uh, area that I'm responsible for. And obviously, Maybe we can spend a little bit of time talking about that today. Um, and that is uh, an area that historically Microsoft has not been that strong. Uh, I would say, obviously, we've not been that strong in, in Java in past years, and especially not strong in the particular area that is my specialty. Uh, and that is sort of enterprise Java workloads, uh, or Jakarta E workloads for short. 
um, you know, uh, shorthand for that maybe uh, folks uh, over here would be more familiar with is uh, the so-called, if you will, old, you know, uh, if you want to use that word, uh, runtimes like classic. web series. We'll go with classic. Not classic, not sure, classic. or traditional. Traditional is a better <laughs> word, I think. So trad traditional Java runtime. So, you know, this would be uh, WebLogic, WebSphere, and, and JBoss EAP, uh, and enabling those runtimes on Azure. Now, you might be thinking, why, why would you want to do that? Um, the reality is uh, the Java ecosystem is old, right? Uh, you know, it, it, and sometimes being old is not really a very, very bad thing. What that means is uh, there's a lot of mission critical applications that still run run on these runtimes. Uh, anecdotally, what we see in, in Azure Java uh, customers is as much as a third or a quarter of these workloads are still running on these traditional runtimes, right? So. Uh, these runtimes do need to move to the cloud, and it's you know, an answer is not always hey, you must rewrite your app to move to the cloud, right? That's you know for many customers that's not a, a practical thing they can do or even want to hear about. So uh, you know we do need to put put in work to uh, enable uh, pathways such that these runtimes can also move to the cloud. Uh, there's another uh, newer runtime that's sort of the next generation of uh, the same uh, technology family, Jakarta. It's called Quarkus. Uh, and Quarkus has a, has a few uh, uh, things that are very similar to it. But basically, uh, we are also looking to enable Quarkus, perhaps in the next few months, uh, to also enable Quarkus in the same way in Azure as well. So that essentially it's about keeping up with the Java ecosystem, its past, present, and future, uh, and making sure that you know, Azure is a platform that is uh, a good place for all of those type of workloads and all of those type of customers. I, I think you 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 sort of raise a really good point, Reza, in that historically, while you could do Java in Azure, you you know you we you know I I go back far enough. I did some JDBC, and I remember being like one of like four people, right, in the in the company that knew anything about JDBC in the in the in the support world. Um, you know, you could do it, but it just wasn't supported. It sounds like what you're talking about is us, you know, really making it integrated and easy, and you know, sort of all the things that we do for you know, .NET or Python or some of these other languages that are out there as well. Is that is that sort of the direction that you're talking about? Correct. So interestingly, you know, when I came on board, which has been actually quite a few years now, you know, interesting statement, uh, you know, we're, we're in a podcast, right? We can keep the conversation interesting. Uh, interesting conversation that, uh, you know, when I came on board was, oh, we don't have any Java e workloads. It's like, that is impossible, <laughs> because uh, you know if you're running the you know second or third largest cloud in the world, uh, and you've been around, you've been in business for a little while, there there is no way you do not have uh, Java e workloads. You do, you probably just don't know about it yet. Yeah. Uh, so yes, it's it's exactly right. You know, I mean, in theory, do we need to do the work that we are doing? Yes and no, right? Uh, a customer at the end of the day, if you just give them generic infrastructure like AKS and uh, uh, ARO or virtual machines can with time and effort figure all this stuff out, but why would they do that, right? When we can do much so better It's infrastructure, right? They don't, yeah. they, there's no value in that for them. Sure, yeah. So there is ways that many things we can do to improve that experience, even if any, even at the end of the day, and, and we can talk about all the offerings that we have, right? Um, our offerings uh, isn't, uh, all about, uh, all about uh, necessarily uh, virtual machines and uh, AKS. We do also have a PaaS offering uh, for Jakarta developers. Um, but uh, you know, aside from all that, uh, you know, even even in the world of AKS and ARO and virtual machines, there are definitely things we can do to make that experience 
much better and less sort of do-it-yourself, if you will. Uh, so that is basically what, what we're, we're in the business of doing. And we do this work uh, not simply, uh, you know, uh, by ourselves, but we actually partner with the uh, with the ecosystem to do all this work. So, if, you know, if we're doing work to enable uh, WebLogic, we're doing that with Oracle. You know, if we're doing work to enable WebSphere, we're doing that uh, with IBM. Uh, you know, if we're doing work to enable JBoss AP, well, we better be doing that with Red Hat. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's also a bit about uh, sort of bringing, you know, thinking of ourselves as a platform uh, and enabling a whole bunch of uh, important Java players that produce these runtimes uh, into the ecosystem as well and sort of making making all these platforms a first-class citizen, uh, you know, into the platform. Yeah, I was wondering, like, maybe you could comment on, like, I think it's always like a hard thing to be to say how deep are we going to like integrate these things, right? Like on one respect, it's like we can make it super easy and like almost single click for somebody to do something. But then the people who are doing like really advanced workloads can't use that as much, yeah. right? Because they need to tweak something or whatever, and then they want to get in the weeds there. So I always find that's like an interesting challenge. Like how far do you go or how do you set up that offering? So it caters to both, right? The, the novice and the advanced, yeah. you know? Exactly. So we recognize this early on. So, uh, you know, the way we started this work a, a few uh, years ago is actually answering that question of, oh, we don't have any Java E customers. So uh, we actually did a survey of almost 200, uh, you know, an interview series of long interview series of almost 200 uh, in Azure customers, many of which, again, you know, numbers play out about a quarter to a third are using these workloads. Um, we also did a, a more formal study of about a couple of dozen customers. And yes, you know, there is, when it comes down to the cloud, in general, when it comes down to solving infrastructure problems in the data center, there, there is no one-size-fits-all solution, right? So even if you are uh, a WebLogic, let's say, you know, a good example would be JBoss, right? So even if you are a JBoss EAP customer, not every single customer wants status, right? Some do, right? Uh, you know, that fits their organizational philosophy and the way they generally want to be doing things and perhaps their, their, the nature of their workload. But not everyone does, right? Um, some other folks are container first, and so that is their organizational philosophy, and that's where that's where they want to go in the future. So we can enable that, that pathway even for uh, you know JBoss CAP, WebSphere, and WebLogic. Similarly, you know other organizations and workloads simply aren't even ready to take a look at con even containers. Um, and really, the most comfortable and sensible path, at least in the short term, for them is virtual machines. So we do need to enable you know, all of those pathways. And in fact, this is what we do. If you look at um, uh, you know, in, the, in the show notes section, you know, there's three resources listed out there, one of which is a little talk that I uh, try to deliver, talking about, hey, this is what we're doing for Jakarta developers these days. It actually starts with you know, mapping the pathways of you know, what are the different pathways in, in, into the cloud, the three major ones being the one we talked about, uh, and then you know, what Runtime specifically, are you enabling for those uh, individual uh, individual pathways? So it's a worthy, worthy I think, uh, slide deck to at least breeze through. You know, uh, Reza, one of the things I always wonder is when we try to bring in these uh, legacy platforms into Azure or into any cloud for that matter. You know, they were obviously never made for the cloud, right? They were they were made for an on-premises world, and 
I'm wondering, like, you know, what sort of effort was that to 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 kind of put that? Was that like you're trying to push like a you know um, a square peg in a round hole kind of effort, or uh, did you have to make changes, uh, you know, to uh, to the underlying frameworks, work with some of the vendors, for example, to to change uh, some of the uh, the underlying code to to make it more cloud friendly. I'm just curious, what was that experience like? And then we can talk about, uh, you know, what the customers have to go through to to also onboard their applications into that uh, uh, offering in Azure. Right. So bear in mind, yes. So obviously, there's truth to the statement that yes, these these uh, runtimes weren't really designed for the cloud, right? When they were they were or when they originally came about, uh, you know, they were uh, intended mostly for on-premise. Uh, setups because that that was the norm back then. Uh, of course, newer runtimes like Quarkus that are like only three or four years old, that's no longer true. You know, those design design assumptions are in fact made for uh, you know the cloud native runtimes. Uh, same is true for the you know, the fundamental technology that we're talking about behind these runtimes as well, right? So uh, the Java E platform before J2E, you know, it, its predecessor J2E, Java EE up till you know perhaps even java e6 you know these these were essentially technologies optimized for on-premise deployments um, but even at a technological level right so uh, you know these platforms and specifications themselves have have reimagined themselves and reoriented themselves to cloud native development right so uh, you know these days what would be more relevant for something like quarkus for example would not necessarily be the full jakarta full profile but rather the Jakarta E core, which is oriented towards cloud native development, as well as microprofile, which is another related family of standards that are again oriented towards cloud native use cases. So the same, uh, I think, the same applies with these runtimes as well to some extent. So every single vendor has a different answer, right? So Red Hat, uh, IBM, and Oracle have different answers to how they are sort of reinventing themselves, uh, you know, in, in the cloud environment. Um, very briefly speaking, uh, and this is probably a deeper uh, conversation that is difficult to do justice to, but I'll, I'll very briefly give you the outline. So, um, WebLogic's answer, WebLogic's WebLogic answer is basically to adapt WebLogic in a containerized environment. So they have, for example, they've developed specific operators and toolkits that target AKS in particular. Right? So if uh, and though. For VMs, it's more or less the same story as you would on-premise. So yes, are they cloud optimized? Probably not. Can they run in the cloud? Yes. Um, and we do some some work to make that easy. Um, uh, the WebLogic uh, AKS capabilities are a little bit more cloud oriented, right? More more so than VMs. Um, the what is oh, IBM story? The IBM story is yes, you can move the WebSer traditional runtimes. Uh, largely as is in, into VMs, you know, again, we're developing capabilities to do that. If you want to be a bit more cloud native, the answer actually is to move from WebSer traditional into either WebSer Liberty or Open Liberty, which is the uh, open source upstream for WebSer Liberty. And that is truly a cloud native runtime. Right? It's, it's a modular, it's lightweight, it's memory efficient, and so on. Uh, it has microfile capabilities built into it, so on and so forth. So if you want to do containers with, and you're in sort of in WebSphere land, you know, your canonical answer is probably to move to Liberty in some shape or form, and then Liberty is enabled in, in AKS and Arrow. Uh, in, in terms of JBoss EAP, the answer is very similar, right? So 
It's still the same runtimes, but uh, there's different flavors of JBoss CAP. So JBoss XP, for example, is more modular and is more geared towards containerization. So whereas you can use JBoss CAP on VMs, and we do work to enable that, we also do work to enable JBoss CAP on ARO or Azure, Azure Red Hat OpenShift, and that is more geared towards uh, JBoss XP. And also, again, there's, there's uh, capabilities built in like operators to make that runtime far more uh, uh, container native, uh, you know, and of course, if you want to go a step beyond that, we also have JBoss CAP on App Service, which is, as you know, as we know, App Service is basically our premier tier PaaS offering platform, and we basically have uh, worked with Red Hat to enable that. So if you want a fully PaaS-based experience, you know, fully um, PaaS-based look and feel and uh, performance uh, and rather uh, sort of behavioral uh, aspects, you know, you would move to JBoss CAP and App Service. So, yeah, each vendor story is slightly different, but in general, if you were to at a meta level, basically these these technologies are evolving. You know, the, the, because of their own um, customer pressures and customer needs, they're evolving these specifications to make them um, more cloud friendly. Even though the, these runtimes uh, originally weren't intended necessarily for the cloud. Evan, you're on mute. I think. Yeah. Not to use that internet. Teams and I are not. Teams, teams has a challenge with my mute button. Um, it likes to take me off right when I go back on. Um, the, you know, we're talking about the runtimes, and I think that's, you know, sort of that's the starting point. But anybody that has an app that's running um, anywhere, it's gonna even one that's been around for a long time, and and you're not planning on investing a lot in, you're gonna make small changes. Um, you know, and so it feels like there's the runtime, but then there's the broader, you know, can I use Java to talk to you know, service bus, can I use Java to talk to functions, you know, and, and there's that whole side of the story as well. It does, does that, is that where we're investing as well, beyond yes. just the runtime? Of course. So, um, you know, enabling the runtimes in a way that it makes sense for- That's sort of the that baseline, right? right? You got to start yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, that's the baseline. And I think we're in good shape there. Uh, you know, I think, you know, if we can, to, if we can to our own horn, I think in terms of our, what we've done, um, I think we're in a better position uh, to enable these workloads than some, maybe some of our competitors are, right? Because haven't invested in, in the work that we're doing and haven't invested in building out the partnerships. Mm -hmm. But yes, the runtime, moving the application itself is only the first step, right? So typically, you know, if you're in a, in a cloud migration journey, you, um, you know, it's migrate and then optimize. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, we are absolutely also investing in making sure that each of these runtimes can talk to Azure sensible set of Azure services. Obviously, database is an obvious one, right? Uh, you know, so we enable actually those things um, into our work already, because that's just a, it's almost table stakes. Yeah. Um, you know, same thing with, uh, you know, sort of cloud native load balancing capabilities. So we make sure all of these things work with things like App Gateway, you know, and, and at our load balancer, you know, all of our sort of cloud native, uh, you know, load balancing capabilities. Beyond that, obviously, there's things like consolidated logging, you know, via App Insights, monitoring via App Insights, uh, you know, and a whole host of other things, you know, all the way up to, let's say, Cosmos DB, uh, even basic things like, uh, you know, using Azure Key Vault uh, to sort of populate, you know, the secrets or sensitive information into these applications. Yes, so it is a more holistic journey. It's not just about moving the runtimes, but also, uh, you know, moving the runtimes in a way that they can make use of the cloud, right? You know, that is fundamentally what we're doing, uh, arguably better, cheaper, whatever we want to call it. Um, you know, better better qualities of of things that you wouldn't have in your data center. So absolutely, yes, we are doing 
both of those things. We're, we're making sure that the runtimes can actually move in an efficient and, and productive way. And then once they do move, they can actually better leverage the cloud capabilities that you know, perhaps wasn't there in an on-premise environment. I used to recall uh, that uh, we used to call these things clusters when we ran them on-premise, right? Like a WebSphere cluster or WebLogic cluster. Yes. Is that how we refer to them when they move to the cloud? Or do yes. have we given them like a new a naming convention there? No, it's exactly the same paradigms. Um, they're 100%, uh, you know, they work exactly the more, more or less the same way. That is, in fact, what the secret sauce, there is the operators, um, you know, so... When you have a notion of running a set of, uh, you know, coordinated uh, instances of JBoss EAP or WebServer WebLogic in a, in a continuous environment, the thing that forms the cluster and it's still, yeah, in fact, called the cluster is actually the operator piece. That's in fact one of the things that it is doing. So, from from the perspective of a customer, you know, it's not a whole new world, right? A lot of the paradigms are essentially more or less the same, right? Otherwise, you won't be able to move those applications so easily. Um, but it's just running in a in a more cloud cloudy way, if you will. Cloudy <laughs> way, yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, so if I'm a if I'm a developer, let's say I'm an architect uh, in a bank, and I have my uh, critical banking software running on um, an EE cluster, yeah. and I want to move that to Azure. Uh, like, what sort of the you know the broad steps I need to, I should consider to make that. Uh, transition over to the cloud? Uh, you know, the steps are more or less, so our objective is to make them, make them, uh, the steps more or less the same uh, as you would in any workload. So first thing is you need to uh, understand what is it that you're trying to accomplish uh, and what kind of resources do you have? What are your timelines precisely, you know, et cetera. So in other words, what are your business drivers? So once you do that um, and you go through an analysis, uh, the answers that you need to uh, come up with is like, okay, so am I staying with this? Am I taking more of a lift and shift approach? And it's mostly the same application and same runtime, uh, or am I going to go through some modest modernization efforts? Let's say I want to containerize these applications, which is not going to be a zero change, right? So there is going to be some change involved um, in depending on your objectives, that may be the right thing. Yeah, or you may be thinking about replatforming, right? So essentially rewriting your some portion of your application to use a, a different runtime, let's say. Um, you know, let's say you want to move from WebLogic to uh, WebLogic to JBoss EAP or uh, so on, or whether you want to write go from a monolithic application to a microservices-based application. So perhaps a, a move from let's say WebSphere traditional into uh, WebSphere Liberty, but also rewriting your application to essentially re-architect it. So that's one. Uh, level of decision. So, you know, what are you really trying to do and how do you get there? Uh, then you have to choose, okay, so what is a sensible destination on Azure? Um, and also similarly, you know, so in other words, are you going to move to VMs? If you're lift and shift, most likely, yes. Uh, if you're you know, not looking to rewrite and modernize a little bit, uh, most likely AKS uh, or some combination thereof. Uh, you know, if you're really wanting to move to PaaS and, you know, perhaps uh, app service for JBoss EAP is the answer for you. Um, then you have to go through a prototyping exercise of can you actually do that? Uh, then you have to determine, okay, you know, I've moved my app. What about all my infrastructure? Am I going past? It's a similar sort of, you know, same iteration for each of those uh, pieces, whether, whether it be data or monitoring or what have you. Um, then, of course, you need to go through the actual implementation and operationalize and cloud optimize and so on. So it's a like, whole big journey, but 
I'm not going to tell you, I don't believe it's so different than moving anything to the cloud. You know, I, I assume you, if you have a database workload, you would basically go through some uh, some combination of the same sort of considerations. Is I, you know, I think we, we, we touched on it earlier that it, you know, you, you want to give people flexibility in terms of, you know, IaaS or AKS or ARO or, you know, whatever you want, whatever they want to do, we want to meet them there. Um, but I was just, I was looking at some of the documentation before the, you know, we started recording and it looks like even if you want, you know, like VMs is sort of the, the, all the bells and whistles in terms of configuration, but it looks like you, you don't have to start with a bare VM, right? It looks like we've actually invested in building, you know, working with these partners to have marketplace images. Cause that's, that's where people make mistakes, right? Is the right way to configure it on the VM. And it looks like you've even, we've even invested in making sure that that happens successfully, right? Give them that very first yeah. step on the on-ramp, make sure that that looks right. Absolutely. So yeah, part of the work is, uh, so uh, again, longer discussion probably wouldn't have a whole lot of time on it. So I'll describe it very briefly. So yes, we, uh, the classes of things that we do is a marketplace solution that uh, makes the initial setup very easy. So, you know, automates the most, you know, sort of, uh, sensible Load things on all that kind of stuff that you can mess yeah. up. Load yeah. balancers, databases, uh, virtual machines, uh, you know, your VNet setup, so on. You know, all of yeah. that is automated for you, uh, storage, so on. So the sensible things that you would need uh, in a sensible way for that particular runtime, you don't have to do all of that to yourself. It's actually all behind uh, marketplace solution templates, co-developed with these vendors. That Answer is not always right for every single uh, every single customer. Some customers, it's too much automation for them, and they really want to be doing everything by themselves. So, cater to those cases, we do also have what we call essentially manual guidance. So, the same thing that the that the solution templates do, but uh, basically telling you exactly the steps that you ah, need to okay. follow to do okay. the same thing. So, you know, like okay, you know, this is what went into the sausage making, right? I'm going to do the every, all of the steps by myself, whether it's Terraform or, uh, you know, however I want to do it, and I don't want all this automation. So that's, we also meet that use case as well. Uh, obviously, beyond that, we, as we talked about, we also have integration guides. That's another class of things that we do, um, you know, so you know, above and beyond what uh, we do, the basic automation level, hey, do you want to use uh, Azure Service Bus as your messaging provider in, in your JBoss AP application? Well, this is how you do it. You want to use Active, Active, Azure Active Directory as your OIDC provider in your application. Where this is how you do it, so on. It's like a, it feels like a never-ending list. I can imagine your your yes. backlog and your list of things that you want yes. to go make easier. Uh, it probably never shrinks. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah, but uh, at the same token, you know, we are a customer-driven company. You know, we don't, you know, try to drain boil the ocean all at once. You know, we do things. This is why the last piece, you know, that I'll also share. Uh, in my in in the in the notes, you know that's a good segue for me to mention that. Uh, so we do have a mechanism by which you know because we're so early in this journey, we do want uh, our own field and our customers to be able to work with us very closely and you know give us feedback on the work that we're doing. Say okay, this is what's working, this is what's not working, and also allow us to discover what their needs are that we don't either know about or we ha we haven't correctly prioritized, right? So. There's a form you can fill out, you know, you can get in touch with my team and we're here to help you with your migration journey, you know, and, you know, help you understand our offerings, help you on, help us understand your workloads. So, you know, we're very much looking forward to uh, that as well. You know, hopefully that's a good call out. So this is how we actually go about, you know, sort of prioritizing that endless list, right? Uh, you know, we, we work with the customer and say, hey, this particular customer has this thing that they need to unlock, 
you know, and, and hence that is what, what we'll prioritize working on. Uh, there's also, uh, you know, as a reference, there's a, a handy page that we have. It sort of talks about all of our Jakarta and Azure offerings. Uh, that's on, on, on the link as well. So if you want to dig in a little bit deeper to find out what the, all the offerings are, you know, that's the place to go. Great. Awesome. That's great, uh, Reza. Thank you so much for uh, kind of answering all our uh, plethora of questions over here and uh, helping our listeners also understand the offerings that your team has uh, put on Azure, which is quite impressive, actually. Uh, I'm looking at that web page, which has all of the uh, EE and Jakarta EE offerings, and there are a lot of a lot of options here. So uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, well, uh, we'll uh, you know look forward to uh, you getting a lot of feedback from our listeners uh, on that uh, on that survey link, and uh, maybe uh, we'll have you again uh, sometime in the future if you. If there is some more updates or enhancements uh, to these offerings that you would like to talk about, yeah, uh, thank you for having me. And yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, there's one thing that I'd like to accomplish out of this, uh, you know, is to hear from more folks. Um, by the way, you don't have to fill out the survey, you know. Uh, <laughs> so certainly for Microsoft folks, you know, just pull up Teams or pull up your email and you know, look me up and uh, send an email. You know, that's a lot easier than filling out a survey with like 15 questions. Um, yeah. So aside from that, you know. Thank you for having me. I uh, would love to come back. You know, we, we do have a, a significant work stream. Um, you know, one idea could be that, you know, I talk to you specifically about each of our work streams, right? So what are we doing for WebLogic? What are we doing for WebSphere family? You know, what are we doing for JWCAP? Uh, you know, potentially a few months later, what are we doing for Quarkus? Uh, and what are some of our customer learnings are? You know, happy to share all, all that I, with I think you. we should do the call out to the audience, right? As, you know, this will go out in a few days, you know, sort of to, to our listeners, you know, as you hear this, if you want to hear us, you know, a, a deeper dive on one of these specific um, engines, right, we'll absolutely raise it. We'll definitely Which take one up would on it that. Be? So, yeah. you know, we'll, yeah. we'll let our audience certainly, you know, vote with their vote with their fingers for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Right. Cool. Great. Thanks, awesome Reza. Thanks again. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.